0: Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen and that is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Tyler Guthrie. What's going on? I would hate to hear what the legend is in man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, you probably don't want to know. I probably don't. But there, there's no, there's, pl- there's <laughs> plenty of legend going around about you Orc. Oh, of course. <laughs> All good things, right? right. Oh, yes. I've got <laughs> well, well, we- one bad thing about you.
1: I bet you haven't, because there's nothing (laughs) bad to say about me. That's right. That's right. Oh, we had another weekend of NASCAR controversy from top to bottom levels of the motorsport. Yeah, multiple controversies. Yeah. Kind of a messy finish to the weekend, and a messy start, so I guess we'll start off with uh, Arca kicking things off like Hingarani kicked his teammate
0: off into the grass. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he was thinking. I mean... I guess the kid's 16, so, like, I mean, it's 16, your brain's not fully developed, you're not, like, mature like an adult yet, so you're not going to react maybe the smartest way to certain situations, but, dude, he was way over the top, so late in the race, I think it was, like, eight laps to go, he's running third, I believe it was, behind his teammate Dean Thompson believe Jesse Love was still leading at this point. I don't think they'd gotten around him yet. Um, and they're coming through that final set of corners to come out onto the front stretch at Mid Ohio. And Hingarani is just beating the out of Dean Thompson's back bumper through like three straight corners. Finally, Moves him out of the way through that big winding curve. I, I don't remember turn numbers at mid-Ohio. second the to where, last
1: turn, yeah. Yeah,
0: the one where pit road angles off. Yeah. Gets him out of the groove, but that puts him on the outside going into that final curve to go into the front stretch. Well, Dean, who I'm guessing had had enough of getting his back bumper beat off for no reason, just decided, all right, well, I'm using the whole track here on corner exit. You can either let off the gas and fall in behind me and try to make the pass cleanly in the next corner, or you can go off the track. Well, Sean didn't let off the gas, drove himself right off the track, spins out right at the start finish line, sits there for probably 30 seconds. I'm sure trying to get a caution, never got that caution. So speeds off in a huff, has a little temper tantrum, wrecks one or two other cars trying to get a caution Never gets that caution. So then on the final lap, slows down to the point where Dean is going to lap him coming through like one of the final corners, and Sean just hooks a left, drives them both off the track into the sand trap, and ruins both of their races. They both
1: got a DNF for that, didn't they?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, because Dean got out and went over and was yelling at Sean. Uh, So... Very, very stupid move on Sean's part. I get being frustrated, but at the same time, you were being super impatient, just trying to move your teammate for no reason when you were in corners that weren't really good passing opportunities in the first place. Take a deep breath, slow down, find a better opportunity to pass him. Dean... While it may have been slightly aggressive to move him off the track, I didn't see that Dean did anything wrong in that situation. He was annoyed that his back bumper was getting beat off for no reason. And he just said, I'm going to use the whole track here. Either you let off or you're going off the track. Yeah,
1: that's just Sean- a normal part of racing. You see that. Yeah. You see people do that short ovals all the time, too, where mm-hmm. you get your bumper banged and then let him by and then do the same thing to them in the next corner. And I guess mm-hmm. the stupid thing about it is if Sean had waited literally three corners could have just gotten him in the keyhole and just right. gone straight by him instead of holding them up in a twisty part of the track and would have had a better chance to go catch the leader. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But because of Sean's little temper tantrum here, he has now been suspended for this weekend's race at Iowa, which is a combo main Arca and East race. So, he will lose points in his championship bid for the East Series, which, let's be honest, the way things have gone early in this season, he probably wasn't going to win that championship anyway. The, I, William Sawalich is very likely going to win that championship, regardless of whether Sean was in this Iowa race or not. I think Sean is already third or fourth in points in the East Series anyway. Exactly. So it really doesn't hurt him that much. And honestly, I don't know that this is really going to teach him anything to be completely no. honest. It's it's not going to teach him that he was in the wrong here. Hell, after the race, he put video of this incident on his Instagram story. So did he, he really? Yeah. So oh he God. wasn't ashamed of it. He thought he was in the right. He thought he had done the right thing. I think Arca should have suspended him for the next West race. He has a much better chance yeah. at the West championship and to take him out of contention for that, that would have hopefully opened his eyes and gone, wait a minute, there's consequences for my actions. Because this really isn't a consequence. He's getting a week vacation from a race that really didn't mean anything to him in the big picture. He probably wasn't going to win the East Championship, and he probably wasn't going to win this race. So, outside of a little extra experience, Iowa didn't really mean that much to him. Right. It, I You would hope that somebody
1: close to him or in the team would have talked to him because, yeah, I agree with you. This is not a big penalty to him at all. I mean, sure, he's missing a race, but it doesn't matter to him or the team. But, yeah, you would hope the team says something about it and kind of sits him down. I would like the team to take some kind of positive action about it and sit him out for a couple different races, Just especially since he wrecked a teammate. like. It, I it guess it's a little different if you wreck a different car. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it then, but it's your teammate. Like, right. And Arca's already not making money, so now you just wreck two cars in a series that you're already losing money in. It just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Personally, if I was Venturini Motorsports, I wouldn't care how much sponsorship money he's making he'd be gone right now. He would never drive a Venturini car again. If I was them, I don't care how much sponsorship money he's bringing. That's an embarrassment not only to the series, but to Venturini Motorsports as a team when he takes out his own teammate with a temper tantrum. If I was was Billy Venturini, he would never sit in a Venturini car ever again.
1: Yeah. Didn't he race in the truck race the next day too?
0: No, I don't. Think so. Uh, I know there was a lot of guys in that race in the truck race, but I don't think he was. Let me double check here. No, he wasn't in the truck race. Who's the Arca guy in the truck race? I was thinking William about? Swalich. That that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was in the one for tricon Okay. Yeah, that's where I was confused. I mean, there was there was five or six guys in the Arca race that were in the truck race, but no, he. He wasn't one of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the financial situation is at Venturini with Hingarani's sponsorship and all that, but they've got plenty of money coming in from Toyota. They can afford to lose his sponsorship. Right, you would think
1: Venturini being the only team that's actually competitive on a weekly basis in ARCA would be able to
0: just dismiss... Are we we forgetting about Joe Gibbs Racing? Okay, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. They're all Toyotas, so. <laughs> right? But they're, all, yeah. they're all part of the Toyota mothership, but yeah, t- technically two separate teams, right? I just I would have gotten rid of them too, um,
1: unless they just really see something in them that they think is going to translate later. But Venturini doesn't do anything in higher levels mm-hmm. of NASCAR, so I, maybe so this that- is a maybe this is a Toyota thing. Toyota yep. telling them to keep them. That's what um, I was about
0: to say. That the only way. The only way I see that being a decision of seeing potential is Toyota keep it, is Toyota saying you have to keep him. But I yeah. mean, that's the thing. It's not like he's been great. He's won a couple West races, but I don't know that I would call him like a fantastic talent. That's going to be like this big star in the coming years. Like he's, I okay. think to really, to really be impressive in Arca, you kind of have to dominate
1: the crap out of the series for, at least a couple of years, because I'll there's only love. right. There's only so many cars that are competitive on a weekly basis, and even then, most of them are usually so young that they're gonna make mistakes and lose races just mm-hmm. because. And I can only really see you being impressive in ARCA if you're winning almost every race in the season like Jesse Love. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to see him get some more opportunities other places
0: and higher up in NASCAR. Well, he's specifically, I think, taking his time up the ladder because he doesn't want to rush himself up the route. I can't remember if that was in an interview with me or if I saw him say that somewhere else, but I know I've heard him say that um, he's he's trying to take his time and not rush his way up the ladder because he doesn't want to all of a sudden be in an Xfinity and be. Um, a, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's uh, kind his of head. rushed. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which uh, that makes me like him even more because you see a lot of drivers these days, they take the first opportunity that comes to them. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's better just wait and get some experience before you get in a fast car because then you know how to drive the fast car. Um, he's done a couple truck starts, hasn't he?
0: Yes, he has been in that Tricon one, one truck a couple times this season. Okay. Um, I don't think he was in trucks any before this year, unless I'm forgetting. I hate how, when I go to click on something on racing reference, that ad pops everything down and then it all pops back up again. <laughs> Yes, he's made one start so far this season in the trucks. That's his only start in trucks. He was he finished ninth at Gateway. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to
1: see him get some more truck starts and just see how he does. Um, I think he's a pretty good driver, obviously. Um, and I think he's got the maturity to be able to make it pretty
0: far in NASCAR if he can just get the rides to do it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I've seen a lot of complaints about him recently that... People are saying he whines too much and complains when he gets run into or whatever, but he does complain a little bit. But at the same time, I think most of his complaining is valid because a lot of the time he's being he's trying to be very clean. He's been a little less clean the last couple of weeks because I think he's finally been like, screw it. If nobody's going to be clean with me, I'm not going to be clean with you. But. I think for at least a long time there, he was really trying to be super clean, and he was just very annoyed when nobody else was driving clean with him.
1: Yeah, which, that's a fair point. If I was driving somebody nice and they decided to adore me, I wouldn't be super happy about it either, but that's just Mm kind of how NASCAR is most of the time. Um, Got anything else to add about the ARCA race other than Iowa next weekend?
0: Not really, other than Tyler Ankrum was super impressive, which wasn't surprising because that Hattori Arca car that never shows up except for Mid-Ohio and maybe Watkins Glen is always stupid fast for no reason. It doesn't (laughs) matter who they put in that car. Either they're going to win or they're going to be very close to winning. I don't know what they've got as a setup in that car for road courses, but you could plug pretty much anybody into that car and they're going to be competitive for the win. I don't know how that happens when they're only there one to two races a year. But that's how it is every single year at this race. That Hattori car will show up and it'll be stupid fast. And Ankram, you could tell early on in the race, was really fast, but didn't lead a lot early. And then he got shoved wide through turn one on a restart out through the out through the sand Kept it straight, though. It didn't lose a whole lot of time. Got passed by the whole field, but was pretty much blended in right at the back of the pack. And that was with, like, 15 laps to go. And drove his way back to the lead and won the damn thing. So, for a guy like Tyler Ancrum, who, let's be honest, has not done much in the past couple of years in the truck series, has been kind of disappointing since he got his one and only truck win, for DGR back a few years ago at Kentucky. It's nice to see him finally go out and show that he does have some talent because he really hasn't shown it that much in the truck series the past couple years. Yeah. It's good to see him have a
1: good run. Maybe that kind of boost him in the truck series the rest of the year. Cause I would understand if, you know, you run not where you're expecting to for a while and then finally get a car that's really set up for you and, have a good race, then it'll boost you along. But if that's all we got for Arco, we'll move on to trucks that were at Mid-Ohio this weekend. Uh, that was actually a pretty cool race. Um, underrated, I think. Uh, it started wet and finished dry, and you had a couple different drivers in there you don't normally see in the truck series. We've seen Connor Daly make a couple different NASCAR starts in different levels, but he was in this race um and marco andretti was in this race which i thought was interesting um marco got spun out into the grass in the keyhole at one point and still came back to finish inside the top 20 even with the screwed up truck um marco's actually really good in stock cars for some reason he's been
0: really good in the srx series for the past couple years too yeah i think he might have missed his calling i think he should have just been in stock cars this whole time uh, yeah, he had like two good years of IndyCar and then mm-hmm. probably should have been done. <laughs> I mean, were those even good years? I Again, I'm not. We, we know this, that I have not paid a lot of attention to IndyCar before now, but I don't remember Marco ever being super competitive outside of the one year that he should have won the 500 and then Hornish got him right at the last second. But outside of that, I don't remember him ever being that competitive.
1: The problem with Marco was that most of the time he was in IndyCar was when Andretti as a whole wasn't super awesome, Mm -hmm. but towards the end of his career, he was by far the slowest driver at Andretti, and it was kind of embarrassing to watch a couple years. He always had bad luck. The Andretti luck got passed down to him. Mm -hmm. Um, If he wasn't fast at Indy, It was just an awful race because something would always break on the car if he wasn't running in the top 10 for some reason. Uh, I remember one year, I think it was like 2018 or 19, he started in the 20s and was lapped like three times by the first pit stop. And it was just... Wow. It was sad. But yeah. nice to see him kind of have a little bit of fun. Uh, he will be fun in the SRX series again
0: this year, I think. Yeah, which I think we forgot that does start this weekend. It does. It actually will start tomorrow. Well, well, when this goes out, it'll be tomorrow. So Thursday night. Yes. Cool. Yeah, well, happy so for that to should, come back. Maybe we should have made a prediction for that. We don't have that on our prediction list. But maybe we Marco have Andretti. A that's mine. <laughs> is he in it this year? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to their uh, entry list. Oh, yeah, he is. There we go. Yeah, they've got Stafford on Thursday. Yeah, so maybe we should have made a prediction for that. We'll we'll make one on the fly at the end since we don't have it written down. But <laughs> um, well, I'll read off who's going to be in the race at the end, and we'll we'll make predictions. Um, but yeah, no, Marco was surprisingly good. Connor was. Maybe not so surprisingly good. I think it's it's been shown that Connor can wheel a stock car when given the chance. And I mean, he was in a nice truck, so maybe not the best truck in the field, but definitely not the worst truck. And I think maybe put that car slightly or put that truck slightly better than uh, where it should have been. I remember seeing him running like right outside the top 10 at one point. I don't know where he finished, but... Uh, he yeah, he finished well. right in, right around where Marco finished, like 17th or 18th or something, but it didn't okay. help that
1: his power steering was going out every other corner mm-hmm. the entire weekend, so... Nice. Yeah, that I'm sure that was a fun experience, but it was nice to see Connor back in a car. Uh, he obviously filled in for the IndyCar race uh, for Simon Pagino, but yeah, ever since he got well, I don't know if he got the boot from ECR or if, like ECR and Connor
0: Daly gave each other the boot, and they he just left. But well, you know what's weird about that? I wondered that too. Have you listened to his podcast for this week, where he was talking about how everything went down for him to be able to be in the car at Mid Ohio last week? And he was. I talking haven't got a chance to yet. He well, he was talking about his seat and everything. We're still at ECR, and his mom had to go to the ECR shop to get all of that and bring it to the track. Oh, his which stuff I, was still at the shop. Yeah, which uh, I thought was kind of weird. Like, why is all his stuff still at the shop? Are they thinking they might bring him back? Like, because that I don't seems know. like that seems like stuff that he would have taken with him when he left. Yeah, but it's all IndyCar specific
1: stuff, I would think, because he'd have different helmets for different series, um, right? but you i don't uh, know i don't, i just don't know if he went back to the shop after they came back from detroit <laughs> well yeah that's true he might not have cuz i i mean i guess he lives in noblesville though so it yeah. wouldn't it it he would be next to the shop pretty much so yeah i don't know if they were thinking about bringing him back uh the ryan hunter ray experiment is going about as well as i expected it would yeah um which he's ryan hunter ray this week he was a good driver for a couple of years and then is just not so. Yeah. I mean, I I like Ryan Hunter Ray. I just, I don't know what Ed was looking at there. (laughs) See, and that's, well, he
0: might've been the best available option. And the fact, I think
1: Connor Daly is the best available option, but we
0: burned that bridge. (laughs) Well, I, the best available option that wasn't already in the car. I think he was looking at Ryan Hunter Ray going, okay, this guy's a veteran. He's got experience. So maybe he can at least tell us what's wrong with the car. Yeah. And I mean that's what it was for.
1: And Ryan Hunter Ray's been giving him some input every once in a while. It's funny to listen in and see what he's saying. It's basically mm-hmm. telling every Ed, Ed that his car's a piece of crap. <laughs> but yeah. Uh if Ed could actually hit the brake pedal and drive road courses still, they wouldn't have had to have gotten a veteran driver in there to tell him how crappy the car was.
0: Yeah. That is true. But this is where we are now, and maybe Maybe this ends up being a good thing for Connor. Maybe he ends up somewhere better down the road, probably not this season since everything full time's locked up this season, but yeah, he ends nice. up next season uh, I did see um I think it was
1: Michael Andretti was talking about uh their team for the next couple of years and how they are not going to take pay drivers anymore. so mm. that... who does that mean is out then who there is a pay driver? See, so they got Devlin, Grosjon, Herta, and who's the fourth car? Peterson? Kirkwood. Kirkwood. Oh, Kirkwood. Um Kirkwood's definitely safe. Herda's definitely safe unless he goes to F1 and Grosjean is eh? <laughs> uh I don't I, don't I, I actually I, like I don't know if Grosjean's reasons. gonna be there very long. Yeah? Why? Because um, he's been kind of losing all composure for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I I know Michael Andretti doesn't like to be embarrassed on a world stage, and Gershon's fast, which is mm-hmm. the crappy part about it, because he can win almost every race he gets into. But, yeah, he's not been doing too hot the past couple weeks, and I think like it's one thing to have a bad couple of races – but it's another thing to have several really, really bad races in a row where you're just hitting everything. Um, and I think Michael's not really going to let that fly. Devlin's been doing better mm-hmm. this year than he did last year. But I don't I don't think Devlin helps Andretti move forward with anything. Um, so I don't See. know how much backing he's bringing. But that might
0: be the comment that Michael's talking about there. Well, here's the thing, though. If they get rid of pay drivers, is he bringing in enough money from other sponsorship that they can afford to do that? I don't know. See, what's weird with Connor is I thought he was
1: the BitNile part of the ECR sponsorship there, mm-hmm. and they're still
0: sponsoring ECR, and he's not a part of the organization anymore. So, yeah, I don't know See, what's going I, on there. I thought the same thing because BitNile sponsored him. For his cup starts this season too mm-hmm. so i figured they were with him and didn't even think anything about it but yeah that i don't know if maybe they switched to ecr when he left and stopped or sponsoring him they, or maybe they're sponsoring both my guess would be probably they had a contract
1: with ecr that they mm-hmm. would sponsor him the whole season for the whole team and
0: they can't really jump ship on that yeah that's true uh, you know what would be interesting is if connor went full-time stock car racing from this yeah i just don't know of any places he would really land because he wouldn't get in the cup series i don't think no i mean he is going nitro cross racing now so that could be interesting <laughs> yeah that is interesting <laughs> yeah no. i mean do you, who
1: do you get in that with travis pastrana i think yeah
0: well i think oh, travis yes. pastrana runs the series doesn't he Uh, he might, yeah. I I, think that was my understanding, is Travis Pastrana runs the series, and he called Connor wanting him to be in a car in the series.
1: Imagine having friends like Travis Pastrana. Right?
0: You get fired from your
1: job, and he's like, hey, you want to do some big jumps in some funky-looking cars? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, but yeah, um, I think we should probably move on from that point. Uh, finishing up the truck race, Corey Heim kind of dominated the
0: field for most of the end of the race. Yeah, no, Corey was super fast. It wasn't even most of the end of the race. He dominated pretty much the whole race. Corey was, even in the wet part of the race, he was pretty much the fastest truck out there. It was going to be very hard for anybody to uh, do anything with him in this race. He was just head and shoulders above the rest of the field, which the interesting part about that is I've noticed this season If we remember, if we look back to the beginning of the season, I made the comment probably multiple times that DGR has not been a great truck team up to this point. Like, they've been okay, but they weren't great. And then they became Tricon Garage this year when they switched to Toyota. And they brought in all these drivers, and I said, unless Toyota's pumping a load of money in there and those those trucks are all of a sudden going to be the best truck in the field, if they're going to be the same trucks that they had before, They're not going to win races unless it's with Corey Heim or Taylor Gray. If anybody could win in a DGR truck or now a Tricon truck, it was going to be Corey Heim or Taylor Gray. Well, so far, it's only been Corey Heim, so which doesn't surprise me. But the weird part about it is most weeks, Corey Heim is the only Tricon truck that's even competitive tanner gray's had a couple weeks where he's been up there the one truck depending on who's in it will be up there taylor gray has kind of been up there dean thompson will have a couple weeks where he's up there but for the most part Corey heim has been the only tricon truck to be consistently fast this season and i don't know if that is because Corey is just that much better than everybody else at tricon or if he's getting better trucks or what exactly is happening there? Or is it a crew chief situation? He's got Scott Zipidelli with him, which we know how good Scott Zipidelli is. He won a truck championship with Brett Moffat a few years ago, and he's the younger brother of Greg Zipidelli, who we know how good Greg Zipidelli was with Tony Stewart. So I don't know if it's Corey's that much better, if it's the trucks are that much better, the crew chief is that much better. Is it a combination of all of that? I don't know. I tend to lean toward maybe Corey just being that much better because Corey is a superb talent. Corey is going to be a superstar one of these days in the Cup Series. Mark my words, it's going to happen. Corey has the talent to do it. But it's not like everybody else at that team are slouches. They shouldn't be that much worse than him on a weekly basis. So I don't know what the, the situation is there.
1: Yeah, my takeaway from this race in particular with Corey compared to the rest of those Tricon trucks was he was the only truck in the field for the transition part of the race between wet and dry that looked like he had any sort of control over his truck. The mm-hmm. whole field was slipping and sliding everywhere, and I think it was even Grant Infinger went off in the last corner um, coming to the start-finish line, and Corey Heim just went screaming past him on the straight. Mm-hmm. Um I was very impressed with Corey Heim in this race. He looked like he had a lot of car control, and in a race like that, that's what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really think you can... You can't set up or crew chief your way into a driver being able to drive the truck on a wet track. Um, So I think this one was just a talent race. Uh, We'll see how the rest of the season goes, because he's definitely been the most consistent of those trucks. Um, and I would say he's got a lot of help from all of the things you mentioned. I, I doubt Tricon's the kind of team that would start giving one truck that's good and just a bunch of average trucks to the other drivers. So I don't really think that's it. Maybe like he's getting some parts that they're kind of working on that they're not sure if they are going to work yet. And then he just finds out they do, um,
0: I think he might just be that much better than the rest of them. It's very possible. I mean, I think he's definitely set him up at this, set himself up at this point to be the championship favorite right now for the truck series. I mean, there's other guys that are right there with him. Eckes has been right there with him. Zane Smith has been right there with him. Infinger has been a little bit off, but kind of right there with him. I mean, there's trucks that are close to him, but so far, I think he's been the most consistent truck this season, and I think has really kind of set himself up here around the midway point. I say around the midway point, but we're only like two races from the playoffs for trucks. So, no,
1: shoot,
0: um, yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of set himself up here at the end of the regular season as being the championship favorite, especially since he's starting to get kind of on
1: a hot streak here, been doing pretty well the past couple of weeks and wiped the floor with the field at mid Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. uh, probably gonna want to move on to Xfinity and Cup at Atlanta now. Um kind of two completely different races, which I can't say I I expected this to be flipped. I thought the Xfinity race is gonna be better than the Cup race based on just the packages that they've been running. Um but the Xfinity race was kind of boring for the most part, and the Cup race was the one that was actually interesting. Um I would argue that the cup race was interesting because they were racing to what they thought was going to be the end of the race almost every lap because of rain closing in, which brings me to the point of why are cup races so freaking long? Because the whole first and half of the second stage every week is just cars riding around trying to not get wrecked and set them up for the finish. It was actually fun to see drivers racing every lap for the whole race. Um... And you didn't have that in the Xfinity series, even though it was a shorter race, but I just, I hate how new Atlanta drives for the
0: Xfinity cars. I, I hate how it has driven in pretty much every race up until this point. I did very much enjoy the cup race. I don't know if it was so much because of the rain or if, because this is the first time we've run a night race at Atlanta at new Atlanta. So it could have been because it was a night race, but I tend to agree it probably was because the rain was closing in. And, I mean, that's the thing. They were talking about rain closing in for most of what ended up being the last half of the race. So They were talking about before that, too. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know if it was because of the rain so much, because there there was a lot of the race that was like that. I mean, there was very little downtime in this race it was very exciting almost from the drop of the green flag so it almost makes me wonder if it was at least partially because it was a night race and maybe that just helped this race be better i mean remember nashville was really good too and it was a night race for the first time too so maybe these cars just run better at night we don't have that many night races left at this point so maybe that's something we need to be looking at i know They moved Nashville and Atlanta to night races this season specifically because they didn't want them to be during the day in the heat of the day and have the fans out there all day long sweating in 100-degree heat when you could just have it as a night race on a Sunday night, which I think that's worked out really well. Both of those races were really good, and I don't know if that's because they were night races, but I think that definitely helped. So, I don't know. I I would be interested to see... If we continue doing a night race at Atlanta, if it ends up being better, I assume we're going to still have two Atlanta races, at least for next year. And one will be a day race. One will be a night race. I'm curious to see if that is the case. If the night race is again better next year, if there's no threat of rain.
1: Yeah, I've always thought the night races were more exciting anyway, um, even like looking at the NFL schedule, you get like the one o'clock games that are games nobody cares about. The four o'clock games are a little bit more important. But then the night games are always the more interesting ones. And I've always struggled with the three o'clock start time that NBC keeps trying to have for IndyCar and NASCAR because I've never once been more interested in something that happened at three versus eight. Um, right. I like how. I, like Bristol night and Atlanta night, they start when it's still light out and then end in the dark. So you have teams adjusting to the temperature and keeping up with the track and you get to see like who really is the better team, not just who had a good setup for sunny as crap, three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked the transition races. That's why I always liked Coke 600 every year. But yeah, I, I do agree that these cars probably do better on a cooler track. And I think a lot of that is because of how aerosensitive some of these cars are now. Um, the cooler temperatures help pretty much everything with car handling, but yeah, it, it would make for a better fan experience to not have to sit out in the sweltering heat of Atlanta, Georgia for, you know, four hours. Um, so I like it. Um, I think it makes it a bigger event uh problem i've had at nascar the past couple of years is since they put in the playoffs the individual races don't matter until you Mm -hmm. get to the playoffs so it's just kind of like another race every week and i feel like the night races kind of help it become more of an individual
0: spectacle every week yeah the the show mascot doc says hi um (laughs) hi doc yeah um no i absolutely agree um, honestly, I think we should go back to having more night races, even if they are Sunday night races. I'm okay with that. If that means better ratings, if that's what they're going for is better ratings on Sunday nights. So be it. I'm okay with that. Um, and of course people are going to complain, well, we will go to work in the morning. Well then watch it on TV and don't go to the track. I mean, they're looking for the ratings in the first place. So I don't know that this is so much for, I mean, they are trying to help out the fan at the track by not having them sit out in the heat all day. But at the same time, they're choosing Sunday night, not Saturday night, because it gets better ratings, or it seems to. So, Which I never understood, because I would rather watch a Saturday night race than a Sunday night race. I think people would rather go out and do something on a Saturday night than they would sit at home and watch a race on the TV. I think that's probably why. Yeah, yeah I mean... I get it. It's just, I hate how all motorsport bends over backwards for TVs these days. Well, when that's where the majority of your money is coming from, you kind of have to, unfortunately. TV's got them over a barrel. Like, the TV money is the money right now in motorsports. So, if they're going to pay that much money and they're going to be that much more money, that much more of an income stream than anywhere else you kind of got to do what they want uh, for better or worse. Yeah. Which
1: worked out for the better, uh, this week. Um, in the Xfinity race, uh, Austin Hill was clearly the best car in the field and was the only one that could work the bottom by himself somewhat. But, uh, we kind of saw the same thing we saw with, uh, Jeff Gordon and Dale jr. On super speedways with Austin Hill this weekend, where, he could get to the front and then nobody would help him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being a Jeff Gordon fan when I was a kid, like he'd be really fast and get up to the front of the field and everybody would ditch him in the last couple of laps just because they knew he could win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the same thing happened with Austin Hill here. I know he was annoyed that the colleague cars didn't help him out, but colleague doesn't really have any reason to help him out other than the Chevy Alliance. Right. Um, I think, most of the Xfinity series is getting tired of seeing Austin Hill win every single one of these races. Um, So I think it was just a matter of time before the field ganged up on him. But I, I, he got kind of mad about it after the race and had kind of a pouty interview about not getting any help. But when you're that successful on that type of track, nobody's going to help you, man. Everybody else
0: wants to win too. (laughs) And I'm glad you bring up that his interview was a little pouty because I love how there's these people that will complain when let's say Jesse love complains about getting run dirty or whatever, but I haven't seen anybody complain that Austin Hill was pouting after the race that nobody would work with him. There's kind of a double standard here. Just saying. Yeah. I,
1: I don't know. That It's kind of annoying, but it is what it is. Um, the cup race was really good. Um, ended. In a lot of controversy, I understand the decision NASCAR made here last year. They tried to beat the rain and wadded up the field in Turn One at Daytona. You don't want to do that again, so mm-hmm. they waited for it to kind of actually start raining. Which I get that because if it was just going to sprinkle for a little bit, keeping the cars out in caution would have kept the heat in the track and would have kept, well, they would have kept the track. But once it actually started raining. They were going to lose it regardless, and and there although, was a
0: lot of rain coming. They were going to yeah. lose the track no matter what.
1: And although I would like to see them finish the race, nobody wants to stay up until 3 or 4 a.m. and watch Atlanta finish, and nobody wanted to watch it come back on
0: Monday. Yeah, and
1: Nobody like, was going to watch it Monday.
0: Right. I saw so many complaints about that of, well, they should have just run it Monday why they're going to run it at nobody's going to watch noo- it <laughs> they're going to run it at 11 or noon on monday which means most of the fans that were at the track will not be there because they're going to go home and go to work and most of the people watching on tv will not watch at least live because they're going to be at work so tell yeah. me how that benefits anyone why are we keeping the teams and the drivers and everybody else at the track for an extra day just to run those 75 laps just to appease a very small number of people that are like, well, I wanted to see it go to the end. There's no reason that it shouldn't have. (laughs) Grow up and learn that the world does not revolve around you. I've seen so much main character syndrome from people (laughs) after this race, like, well, this isn't what I wanted, so this is terrible. You're not the only person that NASCAR is trying to cater to here, so grow up and learn that the world does not revolve around you, And that NASCAR made the right decision here. Yeah, and it would have ruined the race if they run the rest of it
1: on Monday, because then you would have come back to a completely green track in the daytime with, like, everybody had a good setup at the beginning of the race, now would have just been handed a freebie. They would have had to completely revert their setups, and nobody's going to watch it. Mm -hmm. Nobody would have watched it on Monday. You cannot convince me otherwise. Nobody was going to sit there on our lunch break and be like, oh, boy, I want to watch the last 75 laps of Atlanta. Right. But, I mean, I get people being annoyed that, well, actually, I don't, that William Byron won because he got spun out early in the race and came back. Well, okay, he he had a pit lane penalty and then got spun, then came all the way back through the field and was ahead of everybody else when the rain came and- Honestly, if you're another NASCAR competitor and you didn't want William to bi- Byron to win, should have been in the lead,
0: not him. You know, I understand the annoyance there because I had that annoyance, too. Uh, it's his fourth win of the season. I'm a, I'm already a little tired of seeing Byron win races at this Let point. Let the computer kid do some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. OK, so I was I was actually screaming at the TV during that last caution before they red flagged it going it's not raining yet go green i don't want to see byron win we got suarez up here we've got Almendinger. we've got Keslowski. we've got mcdowell every one of them i'd have been i'd have been thrilled to see win. i don't want to see another byron win throw it green even if it's two laps but at the same time i understand did i want to see a byron win no but i'm okay with it I'm okay with the decision because I know NASCAR made the right decision. They made they made the best decision with the information that they had in the moment. The big takeaway I've got from this is what happened at Daytona
1: last year. Nobody wants to see that unless you're part of the Ooh, I love Rex crowd. But they're trying to save teams money with the new car, and widen the whole field up does not save anybody money. So I'm glad that they had a situation came to a similar situation and tried Simular? something different. There's no Simular. you in similar. I well, okay, I'm illiterate, so <laughs> I can I'm trying. Jump. Yeah. We're we're an hour into recording now, so my yeah. my vocabulary is starting to lose it a little bit. But Fair I'm glad that they had the same situation show up and tried something different. I would be way more upset about it. If they did the same thing they did last year and just tore everybody up because, oh, we can get two more green flag laps. Nobody cares about two green flag laps at Atlanta.
0: Personally, I would have if they didn't wad the field up if it meant Byron didn't win. But Byron is going to win anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. On a restart, especially at Atlanta in this package, maybe not.
1: Michael McDowell was going to run out of gas as soon as they got to the green flag and no, then everybody
0: no, no, no. was going to. There was already a decision for that. They'd already said that if they were going to go back green, he was going to come to pit road on the lap that they came to green because he knew he wasn't. He was going to run out, but he didn't want to cause a big issue. But they were going to run him around under caution as long as the caution lasted to try and keep his spot in case it red flagged.
1: Instead, we got a Michael McDowell top five, and now he's in the playoffs on points as
0: it stands right now. Yeah. So
1: shouldn't really be complaining too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he was so close to a, a non, well, I was going to say non-Daytona win, but I mean, this is basically Daytona now. So oh, Don't
1: worry, they,
0: they started using the term drafting track. Yeah, Did yeah. that make you as mad as it made me? I honestly didn't even notice that. I've just been calling them super speedways.
1: No, they started calling it a drafting track in the which Xfinity this is, race. I was like, which
0: this is kind of just a mini super speedway, because it's not two and a half miles plus, it's a mile and a half. Yeah, it, everybody wants more off-throttle time in
1: NASCAR, and then they're like, ooh, would you like us to turn Atlanta that has a whole bunch of like tire degradation and off-throttle time? Would you like to just to just, just turn that into
0: a mini Daytona? Nobody wanted that. I'm going to say this. I didn't want that. And for the most part, I still don't want it. I would still rather have old Atlanta back, especially with this car. But that doesn't mean I did not enjoy this race. I did quite enjoy this race. Um, And I think Atlanta, new Atlanta is, I'm finally coming around on it, but I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where I would rather have new Atlanta than I would old Atlanta.
1: I agree with you there, but I'm still going to look at this race as the outlier, not just the normal, because we've had a couple races that were complete duds, and then we finally have one that's okay, it's acceptable, it's still not good. The Xfinity race looked like the old uh, Clash and Duels at Daytona when they had like 15 cars on a super speedway and nobody could do anything. Uh, Cup race is a little better, but... Yeah, I'm still not. I'm not sold on new Atlanta. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll get over old Atlanta, and then I'll feel better about it. And then they'll show like another replay of Kevin Harvick winning in 2001, and
0: I'll not be okay with it again. I don't think I'm ever gonna be over old Atlanta. It's at this point, it's the one that got away. Yeah, I knew I knew it was gonna happen as soon as they
1: had to repave it. Mm -hmm. I just wish they didn't had to reconfigure it, but then we would have had a bunch
0: of years on new service that kind of sucked. So not necessarily. Apparently they figured out, um, why new repaves were not wearing, like why Charlotte still hasn't worn in and it still sucks except for being with this car. It all of a sudden is good. But, (laughs) um, apparently they were putting some like rubber polymer balls into the, Um, into the new pavement that was supposed to make it last longer. The problem is, because it lasted longer, it's made for terrible racing. So I think they've gone back on that now, and anything that gets paved now is getting paved with, like, stuff that's going to wear a little bit quicker.
1: Yeah, I I remember hearing something about that, but it... I don't know. Old Atlanta was really fun, and I... Honestly, I don't think these new cars would race well on Old Atlanta because of how kicked out and sideways they used to be.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll never find out. But yeah, we'll never um, know. But yeah. Before we move on to predictions, I do have a slight mini Arca versus YouTubers part three rant to go on. Oh boy. Um. So on a uh, what was it? It was Casey Campbell's ARCA preview show for this week where he always has Charlie Crawl, the PR director for ARCA, on. They were talking about the Sean Hingorani suspension. And at some point in there, and we know, I've talked about this before, how Charlie likes to say um, everybody's entitled to an opinion even if it's wrong. Well, Charlie changed up that uh, that phrase a little bit this time and I question it very much because this time he said, you know, you're they're going to they're going to make those their critical comments regardless. Um, and they're going to do it with about, you know, one percent of the total facts on hand uh, to support their opinion. But as I always say, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. You're just not entitled to your own, you know, to the facts. Why?
1: What?
0: what?
1: <laughs> okay. Am I, am I thinking this the right way where he's just saying you don't get to know all the facts?
0: Yes. I think that's exactly what he was saying. That's a bold that, way to promote the way sport, I took but okay. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that really makes me question like that does not seem like a great way to run the PR for a series saying that the fans I mean, or whoever is not entitled, is to, not entitled the to the facts. <laughs> I, I, I feel like maybe he was
1: trying to... I mean, I don't know the whole quote there, but I maybe that he was... Sh- the whole quote. Okay, maybe I don't know the context. <laughs> maybe he was trying to say, like, you don't get to make up the facts or something, and it came out wrong. I'm trying to be benefit of the doubt here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I will stick the clip of that into uh, this portion of the video somewhere in here. I may have already played it at this point, but... I'm going to stick that in here for at least the context here, and you can make your own judgment as to what he said there, but personally, I I was a little weirded out by that comment because it didn't didn't really seem very kosher to me. Yeah, that doesn't seem very promotional of anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. It, as if
1: Arkin needs more bad
0: PR from this week. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know, but... uh Anyway, we'll move on to predictions. Now, we'll start with SRX. Again, we're doing that off the cuff because we forgot until we were already recording that that is this week. They are going to be at Stafford Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN for ESPN Thursday Night Thunder. In this week's race, keep these in mind, Tyler, because you're going to make picks first here. Oh, great. Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, Tony Cannon, Brad Kozlowski, Haley Deegan, Bobby Labani Ryan Newman, Paul Tracy, Ryan Hunter Ray, Marco Andretti, and Tony Stewart. Tyler, who wins the first SRX race of 2023? Ryan Newman. Okay. Um I think I'm gonna go with Denny Hamlin. Boo. denny denny is very good on <laughs> short tracks i think i'm pretty sure this is his srx debut i don't think he's been in an srx race before i yeah, think he goes i'm pretty sure you're right yeah so i think he goes out and goes one for one and wins his first start in srx Boo. <laughs> all right on to uh indycar this week which is from toronto uh, Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Or Saturday. Sunday at 1.00. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on... Peacock. Peacock. Okay, I didn't see a TV logo here, so I wasn't really sure. Okay, Peacock. Nope, it's only on Peacock. Okay, so that means I have to re-up my Peacock subscription. Because I had it for free from Xfinity. Because I had my internet from Xfinity and it was like bundled in there. Well, Xfinity got rid of it. So now I've got to, like, start paying for Peacock again.
1: So in the IndyCar race that three people watch because it's on a pay-per-view thing, I think mm-hmm. uh, Scott Dixon's going to win. He's been really good at this track in the past. He has not got a win yet this year and has had some really bad luck most of the year this year. Uh, I think this is going to be the week he turns it around. Um We've seen the Ganassi cars have been really fast all year. And I think this will finally be
0: the time Scott Dixon gets it hooked up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised we've gone this long into the season without a Scott Dixon win. I, though, am going to go with Pato Award. I think he picks up win number two, right? Two of the season? Mm, no, he hasn't won yet this season. I thought he won, like, the second or the third race. Hmm... I don't think No, so. that's right, because it was a big deal. He was very close in the first few races and never got any of them. That's right. Okay. He he so, lapped everybody up until second place at Texas and managed to lose. That's right. Okay. Yep. I remember that now. Um okay, so yes. I think Pato finally breaks through and gets his first win of the season. He's been so close so many times. So I think he finally gets that first win, gets that monkey off his back in Toronto. All right. Then NASCAR for the weekend. ARCA, which we're not going to make picks for because since we do this before the entry list comes out, it's going to basically be picking between Jesse Love and William Swalich every week when we don't (laughs) know who else is in the race. Um, So we're just going to stop making picks there unless we have an entry list by the time we record. Um, That will be Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS2 and Flow Racing. Then Cup and Xfinity, both from New Hampshire this weekend, and that will be Saturday will be Xfinity at 3 p.m. Eastern on USA. Tyler, who you got? For Xfinity, I'm going to take Sheldon Creed. Both of the RCR
1: cards were really fast here last year, um, and I think they like the
0: flat tracks for some reason. And, yeah, I think Creed's going to get it. You say that, but Austin Hill's been the super speedway king, or the drafting tracks king. Draft. I hate and that. those are definitely not flat.
1: Oh, I hate that term so much.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to go with John Hunter Nemechek. Um, I think he goes out and gets uh, two wins in a row. and starts Maybe he'll the actually marks. deserve this one. Maybe. Just <laughs> maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Probably not. Um, all right, moving on to the cup race. That will be Sunday at... p.m. Eastern on USA. Tyler, who wins the cup race? You took the pick I was going to make, so (laughs) I'm going to go with Martin Trex
1: Jr. He is another one of those guys that really likes flat tracks. Uh, He's really good on short tracks, and I think he's going to pull it off again this weekend.
0: Okay, fair enough, although I don't know that I would call New Hampshire a short track. Uh, Shorter. I, I cringe at that as much as I cringe at calling Atlanta a drafting track but how long is new Hampshire? a mile like
1: oh it is a mile
0: yeah no i
1: hate new hampshire so i just forget everything about new
0: hampshire. i don't know many people that like new hampshire except the people that live in new england and don't have a choice of many other races to go to <laughs> all right i'm gonna go with kevin harvick he won this race a few years ago i think he I, i've said this a few times this year and i'm hoping i'm finally right this time he finally goes out and wins that first race of the season and maybe possibly his last win hopefully not but uh yeah i think he goes out this is a track he's been really good at in the past i've got his uh race win from this race over in the case next to me actually the um really cool like wildlife foundation like painted deers and streams and it was a really cool paint scheme but i anyway i think he wins this race this weekend uh gets win number one of 2023 that's going to be it for this week uh we're going to hop off of here and i'm going to get this edited and uh enjoy the races this weekend from new hampshire toronto iowa uh stafford and everything in between so um enjoy the weekend and we'll see you hopefully next week if we can get our schedules aligned next week uh same time same place uh at that i'm garth that's tyler And this is the Rookie Stripes podcast on Racing News Now.